again. It is wonderful to talk to you all once more. As always, I am me and you are you, unless you are not you, in which case that's impressive. Yeah, so I don't have anything all that fancy to tell you today really. It's just to say that I am indeed going to be doing a couple extra shorts during the month, probably one or two. That's just what I've got to work out right now. So yeah, uh, nothing earth shattering, but thanks for listening and I really appreciate it. So let's get started. So the location that I am talking about today is Theatre Royal, Drury Lane in the UK. Pretty sure it's in London, but let's not jump to conclusions yet. Um, yeah, so if you're wondering if I read my notes before I start writing, the answer is sometimes. Um, <laughs> so for a quick overview of this location, it is obviously a theater and is considered to be haunted, which I don't know why I mention anymore because obviously the places I cover are going to be haunted or thought to be, but I probably won't change that. Um, so sorry, not sorry. Uh, and onwards we go. <laughs> this theater is a legit theater, not a cinema where people go see films. It's where people go to see like plays and like musicals and stuff like that. And really good ones at this one. Um, it is said to have its fair share of ghosts and unnerving stories. Um, also, oddly enough, the whole kind of theater omen lore thing going on that happens in pretty much all theaters, it seems like. Um, that I'm going to be talking about. Um, if that sentence made absolutely no sense, it's okay. It made none to me either. It'll make work itself out later on. Um, <laughs> um, I am doing a theater just because I asked a friend to pick a structure and she picked theater. Uh, because of New York um, so um, I picked one that wasn't in New York because I'm a dick um, and it's actually this is a really interesting theater um, um, not only based on the history of the um, ghosts and whatnot but but it's actual history um, I'll just be skimming kind of over it um, yeah and Theaters are haunt like theaters are known to be haunted, so I consider this a cheat because actors will always tell you that they are. Um, uh, and now my ramble is done. We'll go on to the history, which I should be talking about already. <laughs> Sorry. So on to the history. This theater is indeed in London. If you're wondering how posh it is, the answer is very. It is in the West End, and if you don't know what that is, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Uh, just Google the West End London, it'll help. The building that is the, uh, standing on Jury Lane right now in the West End is not the original structure, but is one of the it's like what they did was they just kept rebuilding it and naming it the same thing um so they call it the same theater that it's just a theater that stood in the same location since 1663 
so you can see why it might not have lasted although like it would have lasted it just they were terrible at keeping this thing like upright um, um <laughs> the first time that this uh, that this uh, theater was made was uh, <laughs> it was ordered by Thomas Killigrew in early 166 in the early 1660s which caught fire in 1672 and the stubborn man rebuilt it in the same spot giving it the name it still has to this day which is Theater Royale which if you ask me sounds like a fighting game but you didn't so there's that um <laughs> the name was appropriate anyway since the king enjoyed um that particular theater to go to um during this time was when the black plague happened so the theater as other uh, establishments was shut down for 18 months uh, between 1665 and 1666 to reopen. Um, and if you know about the Great Fire, um, yeah, this theater lasted that, like through that. Like it lived through the Great Fire, only to burn down six years later, as was mentioned just a teeny bit ago. Um, so the second theater, even though it wasn't really the second, it was the third. Um, it's kind of packed with a lot of political stuff. So I will kind of skim it. So um, a lot of political stuff was going down during this time with like the kingdom and all that. And that was closely tied to the theaters because that's how they got their money. Um, and how its success was going because rich people pay money to go see theaters. Um, so I keep saying, um, I'm sorry. I keep saying I'm sorry too. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into this because it is really long and it is quite complicated. Um, so the basic gist of it was political unrest. The king absorbs the dukedom. The dukedom? That I say it. Killigrew and Sons were no better than crooks. And if that doesn't make sense, it's okay. I didn't really get it in the long form either. Maybe it was just the way it was written. Um, yeah. The Sons of Thomas Killigrew also made several modifications over these years. Um, 1672 to 1794. As for why it is the second theater, that's because it was torn down to rebuild a new one with more technology and, I believe, space. The third theater, again, it's a mess, but <laughs> thank everyone that we're moving on from the Killigrews. Uh, so this one was demolished in 1791. And it just makes it feel so much cleaner. And it was done again to update uh, and repair, as well as make it larger. Which was weird for the time period, because theaters during the, like, yeah, during that time period were small and intimate. 
And that made hearing in this particular theater more difficult. Um, which in turn had the theater moving less on spoken word-based performances and instead spectacle-based performances. Um, a bravo for this model of theater is that they added fireproofing as in water tanks, but they used them for shows. So, which were the spectacles. Like, uh, so they had like a boat on stage and they used the water and were not good. So, yeah. And if I ask you what happened 15 years after this place was built, what would you guess? If it was a fire, then you win. In 1809, it burned down again. A fun fact in this era of theater is that King George III had his assassination attempt here. So, as the modern day theater started in 1812 and was the first theater to be completely gaslit, not only that the new owners continued the tr tradition of building the theater larger than was normal for the time, remodels continued to happen during it even when the production started to fail. It wasn't until 1879 that things started to look up and they performed all of Shakespeare's plays that you would know, as well as other famous plays and musicals. Not only that, many famous actors have been on this stage. Uh, Sorry about my sarcasm during this section, but I just found it really amusing that they couldn't figure out how to not burn down the place. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But if you want more information, I would recommend reading about it because the Royal Theatre is ripe with history that I didn't even go into. Um, I only just touched on it. I'm quite positive that a portion of my last thing didn't make sense, but again, too bad. Uh, now I have some superstitions about theater and whether they're negative or positive. So I'm sure most people know this one, but Macbeth is said to be cursed. Like, so actors won't say Macbeth or like they won't, they avoid the like, doing their lines especially the witches portion and like it's fine after their performance it can be spoken of openly but if an actor before the performance says the name Macbeth then he has to leave the hall and spin around three times spit curse and then knock to be allowed in um it's not really known where the superstition came from, and there's no um, really good version of it to tell you guys. Um, another one is one you should all know as well. I, well, I don't know, maybe you do, um, is break a leg uh, and good luck. So in theater, it's generally bad to say good luck to someone before they go on stage. Instead, English-speaking countries will say break a leg, which, again, we don't really know where that came from. 
And in Australia, they don't say that because they actually think that it's bad luck to say break a leg and may result in breaking a bone. So they say chukas instead. Another one which if you've ever been backstage and you'll know about is a ghost light which is um, that you should always leave a light burning in a theater even if it's empty and this is as much for safety as it is for superstition um, I don't know where the superstition comes from but the backs the practical part of this is that if you're going backstage it's really dark and the light will help you see where you're going. Um, yeah. And those are the superstitions that I have been able to find about the theater. So now we move on to the hauntings at the Royal Theater. Um, the man in grey seems to be the one that comes up the most. Um, he appears dressed as a nobleman from the late 18th century with powdered hair beneath a tricorn hat, a dress jacket and cloak or cape, riding boots, a sword, um, and legend says that he is actually the ghost of the man who was knife stabbed, stabbed with a knife, and found in the wall in 1848 in this theater. Yeah, so they found a corpse, a skeletal, like, bones in this theater. And they were like, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> and various people have reported seeing this ghost. Um, they describe its usual path as starting at the end of the fourth row in the upper circle and then proceeding uh, to the rear gangway to the wall near the royal box where his remains were found. And that was taken directly from uh, Wikipedia, the Royal Theatre Jury Lane, um, which will be in the description, as always. Um, so some more information about the ghosts are uh, performer Joseph Grimaldi apparently haunts several parts of the theater. Actors, ushers, and cleaners report mischievous kicks while they go about their duties. A disembodied white face has been seen around the theater. It's particularly seen in the boxes. Grimaldi asked for his head to be de decapitated before burial, which might explain this kind of weird apparition. Um... Which is, like, an interesting request to have before you die. Okay. Um, I want to be a tree, but headless is fine. Um, many actors believe that Grimaldi nudges performers around the stage to improve their position, though he's not adverse to kicking them if they're not putting in enough effort. So he's a good ghost. He even pats them on the back when they get laughs. Other reports involve uh, tugged trouser legs, people hearing their name called, swinging door movements, um, or hearing sharp intakes of breath in empty rooms. Dan Leno, another clown, often portray portrayed pantomime. 
dames at the theater. He died aged 43 in 1904, but he suffered from incontinence and hit it with the smell of lavender perfume, which apparently still hangs around the theater. Leno was also famous for performing the clog dance, um, and people have reported the sound of rhythmic drumming inside his former dr uh, dressing room. And this, uh, that little portion was taken directly from icyseedgwick.com. Okay, so I have this story, and if I do this story, then I might or I might not do the other one I have, which isn't particularly a story, it's more of just a article by The Guardian, um, but it will be in my links, so if I don't do it, you'll be able to read it if you'd like to. Um, so here we go. How many times can I say so today? <laughs> We're sitting in the understage tunnel at the Theatre Royale, Drury Lane. Opposite us is a series of arches. Behind them are further bricked up arches and dark cavities. A cabinet contains old charred bits of wood and a few bones. Remnants from the previous building in this site which burnt down in the early 1800s, and a lot of other times. What's that noise? There's a tapping on the top of the stairs. Can anyone smell lavenders? Said Gerard, our tour guide, who has been telling us about the ghost of Dan Leno, the first pantomime dame who is supposed to haunt these corridors, still wrapping his walking stick on dressing room doors, dancing in his clog and smelling of the lavender oil which he used to drown the whiff of his chronic incontinence. Suddenly, the lights go out. There is a gust of wind and a mighty crash. We all gasp in fright when the door at the top of the stairs opens and th the through, the light walks Neil Gwynn and her basket of oranges, known to us as Catherine, the other tour guide. Afternoon, my darlings, she says, and we all laugh nervously in relief. I'm taking advantage of my time in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the Theatre of Royal Drury, Drury Lane to do the famous backstage tour with the rest of the cast. Drury Lane is the oldest and most haunted theatre in London. In fact, some say it's the most haunted building in the world. So far, I haven't personally seen any ghosts since we opened in June, but other members of cast and crew has claimed to have. So I've brought with me a real paranormal expert, Roger Clark. Roger Clark was, at 15, the youngest ever, pers ever person to be invited to join the Society of Physical Psychical Research. This and his book, A Natural History of Ghosts, make him a bit of an authority on the supernatural phenomena. He should be able to tell whether our gorgeous old theater really is full of ghosts or is merely the backdrop for projections of a bunch of hysterical actors. What is it about theaters that make them so particularly pr prone to ghosts? To the extent that some theaters still have a bare bulb or ghost light burning at all times to keep spirits away. There's something unsettling about an, the, an empty theater. 
rows and rows of empty seats, vast spooky areas of darkness above your head, drafts that seem to come from nowhere, and the whole purpose of the building is to make people imagine that something is there, which isn't there. Actors are capable of making you believe in stuff that isn't real, and the way they do it is to convince themselves first. Couple that with a history of murders, fires, burials, and bombs, and what we have is Besset, this particular theater, and it's not surprising, I suppose, that we have a ghostly tradition. The most well-known and often cited in Drury Lane is the man in gray. He wears an 18th century hat, wig, cloak, and is seen in the fourth row in the upper circle between the hours of 10 and 6. If you're lucky, that is. Evidently, he avoids dud shows. Then he walks along the row of seats and through the wall. When refurbishment of the theater was going on in the 1840s, behind the wall, a cavity was found that contained a skeleton with a knife in its chest. So many legends have risen about his identity. Sightings of the man in gray began in the 20th century, and the biggest was in 1939, when the entire cast of Dancing Years saw him. Why he waited a hundred years to start his haunting is not explained, but more of that later. Our other most popular ghost here is the severed head of clown Joseph Grimaldi, seen floating in one of the boxes. The great but troubled actor Charles Macklin, who murdered a colleague over the wigs, wings over the, a wig by putting his cane through his eye, and the mysterious helping hand ghost, possibly Dan Leno again, who nudges actors into better positions on stages and pats them on the back when they get a laugh. The helping hand ghost is sometimes confused with the, the jacket-tugging ghost who likes to tug your jacket when you're bowing and to, get, and to goose dancing girls, plays around with wigs, false mustaches, and props. It's nice to think that all our ghosts are reputed, reputed to be benign, camp even, and that their behavior is a theatrical in spirit and in the spirit world as it once was. It's strange for me seeing a place I work every day in a different light, or should I say dark? I have to say the ghosts do not figure very heavily into my daily list of concerns, but I don't have to ask around much amongst the cast and crew to find that one tradition is still very strong. Wigs and big co wig combs have disappeared, floated to the floor even. Swing doors have swung to reveal, just for an instant, a man in a beige trilby. Could that be, in fact, been the tricorn hat of the man in grey? Sudden gusts of wind have been experienced, and strange knocking and sharp intakes of breath have been heard. They are reported reports of tugged trousers, mustaches being stuck onto mirrors, and people have hearing their names being called out. Is that all now? Because nowadays many people are alert to the legend, and that even a water bottle rolling across the stage is attributed to ghost activity? Speaking to Roger Clark after our tour into the gloomier recesses of the building, he seems more interested in these unexplained, random, and apparently trivial fun phenomena than in the big stories. He long ago gave up being a f an official ghost hunter, he explains. That's something he did in his youth. 
In fact, Drury Lane has been the subject of very various sealed-up investigations, including one, an episode of BBC's Most Haunted, and none of them have ever come up with anything concrete. But Roger seems convinced that there's something going on here. Exactly what is less clear. In his book, Roger divides ghosts into eight distinct categories, which go from cult poltergeists, um, the ones who move things around, to one end, to ghosts of the living, and time slips, where the witness goes back uh, to the ghost time at the other. On the way, he takes into account things called mental imprint manifestations and crisis or death survival apparitions. There is an interesting section on something called infrasound, or low-level building hum, which tests reveal can actually affect your eyesight and perceptions. Could this explain the Drury Lane legends? There is no, there's not the space here to analyze each ghost story at Drury Lane, but suffice to say that we have at least four of Roger's categories here. For instance, a bomb landed on top of the building during the war and crashed through three floors, eventually coming to a halt unexploded. Several of the reports I've read and heard about are of crashing noises, these banging up against doors of almighty fallings. There is what might be called a crisis survival apparition. The man in grey could be one of those, many of the, these things, but it's most likely to be a hoax. As I discovered when I talked to Mark Fox, the Drury Lane theater activist. When we met in his attic office among the rafters of the building, initially Mark tells me that he is skeptical. The mass 1939 sighting of the man in grey, for instance, was much puffed up by the great theater histori historian McQueen Pope. McQueen Pope also happened to be the advertising manager at the Theater Royale at the time and might say something that would have not, uh, might have not been above hiring an actor to walk across the circle in the 18th century kit. Although how he got him to walk through the wall is another matter. But I found with Roger Clark, even the skeptical Mark Fox thinks there is something unexplained and spooky about these the building. He has heard his name called out late in the night and strange crashing noises against his, his door. His dog is afraid to go down certain corridors. Personally, I have never had any kind of supernatural experiences, and I've been working the West End Theater since 1978. Then again, some nights, if I'm leaving the building extra late, I experience a slight wisp of unease. What if my jacket were suddenly tugged? I look more carefully into the, my peripheral vision, as I write this late after my show in my dressing room, I can't help but look over my shoulder in the mirror. Everyone's gone home, the theater empty, but for Jill, the stage doorkeeper, and she smiles away on the other side of the building. My door rattles, and a draft blows from in from under it. What was that noise? Mice? And that was from the Huffington Post uh, co. UK. Um, so that was the Huffington Post. Um, take that as you will. Huffington Post isn't known for its credibility. Um, 
the other story isn't much different. Like, neither of them, like, I couldn't really find any people willing to speak about their, um, experiences. But, um, it seems to be, like, quite there. That's not the right word. But, like, it seems that a lot of people do experience things there. Um, I'm just not sure. Uh, <laughs> I said I'd do a shorter episode. I definitely did. Um, this is actually my second time recording this because apparently in the last one I spent about 10 minutes apologizing. So I am trying that again. Um, so as to whether or not this place is haunted, I think that again, maybe, but you know, it's your decision to make as always, whether it be from just the information that I have presented or the information that you go on from here to get, um, you can decide whether or not you think that it is or isn't haunted. Um, from what I can gather, I think that the ghosts, uh, if there are any in this theater, are good omens, since they don't truly seem to want to cause harm, simply to put on a good show. Um, yeah, so, they just seem like friendly ghosts, other than the one who freaking, like, why would you cut off your head? Although I know a person did that and they donated their skull to Hamlet. Because he needed to know that piece of knowledge. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just, yeah. It, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little bit sparse. But next week will be... Um, Oh, I don't remember its name, but it's an asylum in Weston, Western Indiana, I think. Um, and it is, I've got it all written out and it looks great. Um, so yeah, thanks for putting up with me and next week will be amazing. Um, so if you want to suggest something... I can always change a script. I can always do the script another week. Um, so just holler at me. And if you don't holler at me, please, that would scare me. Tweet at me nicely. Uh, <laughs> or Facebook me. Um, you guys are amazing. Thanks so much for listening. I keep banging my desk and it's making noises. Um, and now my mic's being fuzzy. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and contact me as always with any comments, questions, and, and or concerns at MindlessDWH. I also updated my Facebook page. I don't know if I mentioned that. I mentioned it somewhere. I think I mentioned it in my next script. Um, but it is actually decent now. So, it's somewhat decent. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> so, like and follow me there if you want. 
and have an amazing day. Stay spooky and be on the lookout for my extra episode when it comes out, which should be in about two weeks as everything falls over. Thanks and have a great day.